This episode is sponsored by Skiveset Records. Skiveset is located in Malmö, Sweden and is one of the best record stores in Sweden for both new and used records. Skiveset Records sells worldwide through Discogs Marketplace. Links are in the descriptions on this episode and on your favorite podcast and on soundsandvinyl.com. Booze How Music proudly presents Sounds on Vinyl, the show that celebrates collecting and listening to vinyl. And now here are your hosts, Mike and Phil. Hey, hey, welcome to the Sounds on Vinyl show, the show where we sit around and we drink from the horns and we talk about vinyl and we talk about music. My name is Phil Boyer, and as always, from the land of the Vikings is my brother from another mother, Mr. Mike Svensson. Mike. How the hell is it going over there in Sweden? It's going really good, actually. It's summertime, a vacation time, uh, a lot of time to go hunting for new records, my friend. Yes. Yes. Indeed. You see. Indeed. Cool. So uh, what's going on with this episode? We got another guest. We do. Yeah. On this episode, we have the privilege to introduce to you... Jonas Slettung, a radio show host from Pirate Rock Radio in Sweden and a bass player, bass player for, for the band We Sell the Dead, which is together with his old friend Niklas Engelin from In Flames, who we had on like a couple of weeks ago. Hey Jonas and welcome to the show. Hey guys. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for coming on. Cool. Are you kidding me? This is the best thing to talk about music and vinyl and stuff. That's the, <laughs> my favorite subject. All right. So let's dive right into this. Uh, um, were there a lot of music uh, when you were in your house when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my dad um, was a, a jazz musician. Well, part time. He was. Uh, he was. Uh, he had a regular job as well, but he was a hobby musician. But the the percentage of uh, music that he did was kind of big you know he had a he like he worked sort of like 80 85 percent and then he did like another 80 85 percent music so there was a lot of music when i was growing up uh, mostly jazz but uh, also um, you know the swedish equivalent of uh, what do you call it visa folk things like bob yeah. dylan-ish type of you yeah. know 50s yeah. 60s mm. With acoustic Singing guitars, or, like Kulian yeah, Fresvik yeah. and Fred Okerström, those Mike will know who those people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and uh, also, uh, and they, my parents, they 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 introduced me to um, early pop and rock as well, 50s, 60s, like Elvis and uh, the Beatles and the Stones and stuff like that. Cool. Uh, so the my dad had a quite a big record collection. Yeah. So that was the kind of music that that you from the get go started to listen to jazz and and Elvis and so forth. Yeah, but the jazz was the jazz never was uh, for me really because it was um, so um, tightly connected to uh, you know there were there were always jazz bands playing. He, he we were always we went to concerts with his bands. He were in different bands all the time, and we went there and we listened to. It. So it was always like that was like the parent music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I enjoyed having it around, and I, I, yeah. I was, I was, it was fed to me, like you know. Yeah. But uh, I never really, 
I never really uh, got hooked on it. I have, like late, like the latest ten years or so, I've been going back to that and investigating that for myself. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, at the time when I was a kid, I thought, well, no, that's dad's music. That's not for me. Although, actually, the the Beatles and Stones stuff that came from him as well, and that I kind of, I took to that. So I don't know. It was something about the backbeat, I, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. What was the first record that you bought yourself with your own money? The first record I bought uh, with my own money, that must have been, uh, it was either... Kiss Creatures of the Night or Kiss Love Gun. I don't remember which one of those two it was because I bought them at the same time, at the same shop, the same yeah. day. So yeah. I don't remember exactly which one I took first, but <laughs> those two. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. how, how did that come about when you started listening to Kiss? Because you, you mentioned, I mean, the Stones, obviously, is rock and roll, and then you got Elvis. How did mm-hmm. you transition to listening to rock and roll like Kiss and, and so forth? I kept listening to uh, Beatles and Stones kind of into my 11th or 12th. No, wait, yeah, 11th year. And then um, during that year, there was a lot of music coming from a different... There was uh, Toto was kind of a big thing. Uh, and uh, so I kind of... I had ventured away from from my dad's record collection and, and started to, to, you know, uh, go home to buddies and listen to their collection. But it wasn't any hard rock or anything. It was, uh, you, know, you know, popular music at that time, yeah. like Toto or like Chicago or stuff like that. But then in uh, in our school, we had something on Fridays that was called Fun Hour, Rulia <laughs> Timmen, yeah. Fun Hour, yeah. which was... One of the last hours at school on Friday afternoons, uh, this was in fifth grade or something like that, uh, then uh, you could sit there and you can draw or you could uh, write whatever you want to write or you could uh, you could play chess or you could play other board games. And you could, if you wanted to, uh, bring records from your homes and put it on a small uh, turntable. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. Public school for you, Swedish public school for you. Um, but so the turntable. In my memory, I, I I think it was like a like an old gray little plastic thing, and but I can remember it must have been uh, wall mounted speakers because otherwise I don't remember. I don't. I can't understand how they got the sound. Of, never mind. So it was a, like a really cheap record player, uh, and then you could bring records. And one of my friends called Patrick. Uh, whom you have met, Mike, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he was there, yeah. He was kind of a guy who, he had uh, he had his finger up, you know, to, to listen to uh, where all the new stuff was coming from. Yeah. So he was very early into hard rock and heavy metal. So uh, one day, one Friday at Fun Hour, he put on, uh, he, he brought a record, which I thought was, the cover was just amazing, which was, was you know, bluish and whitish and uh there were four characters with with makeup on them and the, there were kind of white lights in their eyes and then he put on uh he put the needle on and it was the it was i love it loud with kiss and i remember i still get goosebumps now talking about it because <laughs> yeah i just remember the effect on me was like what is this you know yeah. i just i was blown away it was totally this i never heard anything like this before and i just at that moment, I knew. All right, this is 
this is where I'm going to go music. I'm going to this I'm going to get into this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how it started. And then yeah. like a week or so later, he brought <laughs> he brought uh uh Restless and Wild by Accept, I think or yeah, I think it was maybe Restless and Wild or Breaker album. I don't know which one of those it was. So those were tightly connected to me. Uh, the fastest a shark intro as well. Yeah, of course. With a ding 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 ding. ding. Yeah. Fantastic. That, that's some great stuff. So, yeah. so, so from from there on, it, it was like hard rock and metal music for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Did totally. you buy a lot? Uh, did you buy a lot of records yourself when you were growing up? From from yeah, that yes, point on. I, yeah. Well, it started off kind of slow for me. At first, I I, I got. Um, because at that time, you see, it was uh, a lot of tape trading going on, like or you you tape your home tape your friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went down three people went down to the record store, and I you said if I buy that one, you can buy that one, and you can buy that one, and then we'll tape each other's. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't you didn't yeah, have to yeah. own all of the albums yourself because your yeah. friends owned the missing parts, so to speak. You understand? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I I. I started out by buying uh, Kiss records. That was my, you know, buying their back catalog, uh, and um, and then shortly after that, I bought some AC/DC records. Uh, I think maybe Flick of the Switch had just come out at that time, so I think I bought that as a new album. Yeah, oh. and then Lick It Up came at about the same year, I think. So I bought that as well. Oh. So I started buying, yeah. So, but uh, it, and I had like one crate for a very long time. Like, uh, started to fill up one crate. I remember it very well. You know, the, the crate was getting cramped at the end, so I had to, <laughs> yeah. I had to get another crate. Yeah. And oh, I have two crates now. <laughs> it was a big moment for me. I am yeah. now officially a collector. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's go. cool. Mm. So, uh, was there a, a favorite record store that you would go to that they would help you out and find new stuff, like new bands? Well, yeah. Well, um, there was a record store very near where uh, where me and Nicholas lived uh, called Skivfundet, which is like the the record find or something like that. Uh, but that was so that was the closest one, and that's where I bought many records. But that wasn't really a good store because it was. The, the the people who worked there weren't really interested in you know they weren't music freaks they were just mm. uh, clerks working at something could have sold clothes you know but they sold records so so there wasn't really a but when you really had to have something that had just c- come out you you ran down to Skifundet and just oh you took it there so you you could bring it home as fast as possible but there was <laughs> uh, there were other stores um, uh, you know. Uh, I live in Gothenburg. I, I still live in Gothenburg, so uh, I used to go into the center of town, and, we, and there was a, a couple of stores there. That uh, uh, Bengans was one, which still exists today, uh, and there was uh, Skivhugget, which w- uh, I later worked at actually for mm-hmm. a couple of years <laughs> in my twenties. Um, so yeah, those were the, the the big stores, the great stores. That they had uh, people working there who were into music who who they all they had like one guy for every style of music you know oh you want to listen to hard rock yeah okay go see you know benny or whatever yeah and he could you know he had he had uh, 
he had knowledge about the latest stuff from America or the latest stuff from Britain or the latest stuff from wherever, you know, Germany or whatever. Do you remember something in particular when, when you went to those stores that you, you hadn't heard before and then you got hooked on? Oh, yeah. I remember the first time I went in. At first, one of the first times I went into town, like in the center of town, to Bengans. And I walked into Bengans and I heard what must have been then the new CZ Top album, uh, Eliminator, or at least the latest one. I heard... I think it was, uh, you know, that, 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 like, uh, mm -hmm. give me a little love or sharp dressed man. I don't remember which one of those was the first one I heard, but, but, and I, I saw the cover of the, the car with the headlights and everything. I, oh, I said, Oh yeah, I gotta have this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those bearded guys with the car on the back of the cover. I, I gotta have this. Cool. That was one of those times the, the, that record they didn't, they didn't have, uh, uh where I lived. So. Nice. Yeah, cool. Do you still buy and collect records? And, and what are you looking for when you go digging into crates today? Yeah, I bought one yesterday, actually. I bought uh, the Tom Petty album, the, disco, the record collector, uh, the new version of She's the One. Um, oh, cool. It was released on this record store day anyway. So, All right. But it's an old recording from uh, 1996, the record after Wildflowers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, they had sort of reimagined it, you know, they yeah. remastered it, remixed or whatever they done, and then they altered the, the track order and okay. took away some songs and added some yeah. songs, I suppose. So a new the, cover, new new front cover. Oh, cool! So, so you're talking about Tom Petty right now, and so I, I'm guessing that you you um, you branched out from the metal scene and and got into yep. more like pop and rock. Was there some other particular bands that you were interested in, or well, still? Uh, yeah, well, when I was in junior high, me and Nicholas, we started playing together when we were uh, about 13, 12, 13, something like that. Uh, and uh, then we played in a hard rock heavy metal band, and I was a drummer back then. So, uh, but we started. That's when we started writing together because he wrote the music and I wrote the the lyrics. But uh, then as as I got into high school, um, I kind of felt that hard rock and heavy metal was kind of childish music. So, so mm -hmm. I wanted to, I, I'm, I'm adult now, so I have to listen to more adult music. Uh, so I started to listen to uh, uh, like more progressive music like um, Rush and Yes and uh, Genesis and, uh, well, Marillion and King Crimson and stuff like that. And from that, I kind of went into um, uh, like, well, what do you call it? fusion, jazz rock, uh, like yeah. weather report and stuff like that. Because at that time I was, and I started to play bass at that time, and I, and I wanted to find uh, music that had bass playing that was kind of technical. Because in hard rock, most of it isn't. It, you know, eighties metal bass is kind of a lot of pumping, like yeah. one string pumping. Uh, so I, I thought, if I'm going to be a bass player, I'm going to learn from the best bass players there. So I'm going to listen to Chris Squire and Geddy Lee and you know all those guys. Cool. So Boy, so it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so at some point you 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 went back sort of to to your dad's like music with, with fusion yeah. jazz. So mm -hmm. 
So, well, he wasn't. My dad wasn't into uh, fusion jazz. He was into like old school jazz, like New Orleans jazz and thirties and forties stuff. Okay, uh, all right. But we kind of, we kind of had, you know, we we kind of. Uh, he knew him. I mean, he knew Wayne Shorter, and and uh, because of his playing with uh, Miles Davis and stuff like that. So, and yeah, he knew, he knew Miles Davis, and we kind of met, you know, round about Miles Davis. We could and Chet Baker, those kind of soft. Uh, uh, Midnight uh, blue kind of albums, you know, those, yeah, yeah. Uh, midnight jazz. Uh, but the more technical stuff, he didn't. He didn't like that. He he, he felt it was too electronic for him. All right, mm, cool. Yeah, but at the same time, also in high school, that's also when I started to listen to. Like I went back to my Beatles catalog as well, and I listened to because uh, George Harrison and uh, uh, you know they done the, they did the Traveling Wilburys uh, album about then. Which yeah. I, you know, I was like that also kicked me in the stomach right away because it was, and I the fun thing about that yeah I didn't know <laughs> that's when I discovered Tom Petty through Traveling Wilburys I didn't know who he was I hadn't I never heard of him uh, so I, I brought the the Traveling Wilburys album to my friend Frederick and, and he, he said oh look there's uh, there's George Harrison and there's uh, oh, there is Bob Dylan and that's well Jeff Lynne the guy from ELO and there's some old guy called Roy Orbison I don't know who he is but he's you know, I, I heard some old song about it and then there's this guy I don't know who that guy is the blonde guy who is that and then my friend Frederick said are you stupid <laughs> so and, and we went home and he happened to have all the old Tom Petty records. So he yeah. he just got me a big like a big uh, paper bag and just put all the old Tom Petty records in and say take that home, don't come back until you listen to them all and tape them all and don't tell me you don't like them because I will hit you. <laughs> <laughs> and then right after that, uh, the Full Moon Fever album came out, and then I was yeah. hooked. Yeah, yeah. So that was Tom cool. Petty. There you go. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. So mm-hmm. sounds like you've got a very eclectic mix in your collection of stuff. So what is your most prized record that you have in your collection? What's the one thing that you wouldn't give up for anything? Uh, one album only? Ye- yes. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, um, you can give me top three. Top three. Top three? Well, uh... I would, I would have to say, I would, I would keep uh, ACDC's Powerage, and then I would keep, I probably would keep Beatles' Revolver. Okay. And then, and then I would probably keep. Now, now I'm, start, I'm starting to think I should, you know, I should have a good mix if I only get to keep three <laughs> of them. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I have to, you know, that means I can't. Maybe like yeah. say heaven and hell, but Black Sabbath or something like that, perhaps. Oh yeah, yeah. There cool. You go. It would there you be go. hard to not have heaven and hell. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there you go. I know Mike and I have done these top ten shows before, and it's like mm-hmm. as soon as you get done making the list, it's like no, no, no. I want to change it. I want, I yeah. want something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's like the it's hardest hard. thing to do. It is. <laughs> All right. So on the flip side of that. What's mm-hmm. the one thing that's not in your collection that you're just dying to get? Oh, uh, oh. Well, um, I used, you know, I'm one of those guys that when CD came, I sold my collection, uh, and then I kind of got a lot of it 
back again, but I sold it again. So I've done that two times, uh, <laughs> which is like, would, actually would disqualify me for being on this show in the first time, in the first place, <laughs> but okay. But I, I hasten to say that I've gotten it back a third time. So mm. most of it, but I, I, I miss some of the 90s stuff that I bought. I don't, uh, for some for ethical reasons i don't want to buy an album that i bought for uh, like 15 dollars i don't want to buy that for like 60 or 70 dollars it's kind of a i don't i have a there's a mm. switch in me that flips on every time i see a, the, the price tag of those albums because the 90s albums are so expensive if you don't want to buy the repress which i have in some cases done uh, i bought uh, you know alice in chains dirt and I got facelift as well because, and you know, the Soundgarden albums, and I had to have those. And I can't really, you know, they are so expensive. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, I still, I want to have, I I need to have Painkiller by Judas Priest. I want that. That's pain the killer. one. Painkiller. There we go. There you go. <laughs> I need Painkiller. Cool. I need Painkiller. Original, original pressing, please. If anybody hears me right now. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, well, talking about uh, U.S., uh, you, you started working uh, in radio some like 20 years ago, and you, yep. you actually been a show host on, on Swedish National Radio. How yep. how did that come about? The the thing was that I, I I slipped into it by accident because I was working, as I said before, I was working at this record store, and then... Uh, a couple of guys who were there, they were, um, they were on, uh, yeah, they were working on Swedish national radio as uh, producers and, and, and um, what is it called? They, they were the ones choosing the music for the shows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, music producers, music producers for the radio, on the radio. Yeah. And one of those guys, he, uh, one day, you know, when you, when you have customers and you talk to them a lot, you kind of get like a semi personal, um, uh, relationship with them and one day one of those guys asked me you know we were going to have um we need a panel of people to uh, we have a show where we where we judge demo music we have we want to have a panel would you would like to come and be on, on the panel so i said yeah of course so i went on that panel a couple of times and then when one of the other music producers were going to have a, like a summer vacation they asked me if i wanted to you know fill in for him during the summer uh to which i said yes so i became a music producer that summer for swedish national radio which is kind of nice <laughs> cool uh, this was in 95 so i was 24 at that time um and then i i quit my record store job and i educated myself i i went into school again and i did uh i i you know uh, journalist school i i i i educated myself to be a journalist yeah <laughs> uh, for a couple of years and then as i was you know uh, having my uh, exams i got a call from swedish national radio asking me if i wanted to produce a show uh, of uh live music called p3 live so i said Yes, I can do that. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's kind of so, cool. Uh, th that's how I slipped into it. Yeah. So, yeah. so with with the 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 journalism school, was that related to the radio 
did you need that for radio? Is was that your intention to go into radio or for something yeah. else? Uh, well, I I, I felt I need I needed some sort of education, some sort of uh, you know diploma that I could flash for people when <laughs> I came searching for a job, looking for a job. Uh, so I, that's why I did that. But I, I had intentions to. Yeah, do some radio because the the thing I did in '95 that was so much fun. So I said, yeah, I I, I can work like, with this. I can do this for a living. You know, choosing music that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you still uh, doing radio and all the other different media uh, stuff that you did? Did you play music yourself simultaneously, write lyrics yeah. and, and play in bands? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did yeah. for most of the time. I had a, I had like a break for a, a semi break for a couple of years when I only played in uh, you know a tribute band. Um, well, it's not only I I did it wasn't really good tribute band ACDC tribute band. I played yeah. it for a couple of years, but I didn't I didn't write any music for a couple of years. Um, so, but I apart from that, I I've been playing music. Yeah, cool all the time. Yeah. More or less, you know, don't, not yeah. professionally, of course, but, no. uh, you know, I've been keeping it going, yeah. Yeah. D did you always play with Nicholas, or, or did you form other bands? Because you, you, you oh. were friends, like, early on. Yeah, we, we were, I think he was 12 and I was 13 when we started to know each other, when we got to, when we started a band together. I was like, yeah. or maybe I was 14 and he was 13, I don't remember. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we played for four or four years or something like that and then uh you know when i started to uh, get big ideas that i didn't want to associate myself with hard rock anymore i left that band and uh, started you know, switched from drums to bass as well and then started playing progressive music for a while uh yeah and that but nicholas wasn't on that right but we we kind of so i played with him when i was like in my teens and then uh a short while when I was in my early twenties as well, and then uh, a short while in my early thirties as well. So we, we, we and but we kept in touch all the time. I mean, we we haven't uh, we haven't cut each other off or anything, but we haven't. Yeah, the playing has been off and on. Yeah. On and off. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, now it's on. Now it's on <laughs> since uh, since like uh, eight or so years or something like that 10 yeah. 9 years yeah because we wow. yeah he, yeah because he uh he had a uh, he and Ade from Hardcore Superstore I don't know if you know that name Phil uh, the band Phil but Hardcore Superstore mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. but they are a good uh, a very good uh, hard rock band here in Sweden and uh, him and the drummer from that band they started writing music together in 2012 or something like that with the intent, the intention to play with Dave Vincent from uh, from Morbid Angel. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, but that project didn't. It didn't. Um, uh, yeah, it didn't. It stopped for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, and then he, Nicholas called me up and said, "Do you want to be in on this? We're going to do a, a we're going to do some hard rock. Do you want to be in on this?" And I said, "Yeah, of course, I want to be in on that." So that, and then that that turned into uh, uh, like. Um, like a Swedish, uh, uh, like a, a hard rock band with Swedish lyrics and Swedish singing. Uh, we did one album, and after that, we kind of been working together uh, since then. So yeah, 
how how did the like the new band we we sell the dead how did, did that come about it started out by because Nicholas he he started writing some stuff that was kind of not fitting into any of his other bands like a lot of doomier slower stuff and then he he asked me if I wanted to be a part of that and I said yeah and so in you know intentionally we I I was going to sing it but I felt like no I don't I, we we're going to have we're going to need a real proper singer so so we called up Apollo and uh, uh, and he fitted right in so it was kind of like a project from the start so the first album that was kind of a more of a project feel to that and then yeah. after that album when we're gonna when we were gonna do the second one we said let's let's do this like a band let's let's bring in let's do make a band of this and we'll have oscar on the drums and we'll have petter on the keyboards and and apollo nicholas and me and we'll be the band and we'll rehearse and we'll do everything like a band so when did you start to get serious on on like the second album yeah we were gonna yeah exactly we, we said we we're gonna do this for real let's let's make another album let's make it a band album and let's do this you know the real way let's tour and do everything yeah but then of course <laughs> yeah. as we all know yeah <laughs> the touring stopped in <laughs> february tourist. march that's a bummer so did you have uh any other plans for for doing another album is that in the works yeah. have you been working on that this year yeah yeah we have uh we actually uh yeah we have been doing um sessions we've been demoing some stuff for uh, like a month ago or so something like that we've been writing stuff all, all the time but we've been you know getting together and and playing together like a month ago and then uh, like only a couple of days ago we had a writing session here at my home me and Niklas so so yeah we're on you know we're moving we're moving yeah. we, we just have to see we we ha- we, we kind of we want to have um a new we want to enter a new world this time like the last the first album was very doomy and very slow and the second album you know black sleep album was uh, more of a classic hard rock album and so this time we want to do something we want to you know we want to develop, develop all the time we want to yeah. like move on so we, we and we haven't quite decided where we want to go sound wise yeah. or production wise yet so you so you come you're, to us yeah you're going back to the roots again with with like the metal and the hard rock so this yeah, is like a full, full full circle for you Right now, yeah, yeah, start exactly, started out exactly. with rock and roll and metal music, and yeah. came into jazz and fusion, and now you're back. <laughs> yeah, so cool. And probably now, when before everything is over, I'll be probably playing traditional '30s jazz. <laughs> <laughs> did like did you? Tr- <laughs> yeah, did you try out to to play in in jazz and fusion bands at some point? Oh, I played. I played with my dad uh, and his uh, his bands. Uh, like I, some like some uh, occasions, you know, sitting. I play guitar, like you know, silently in the background, <laughs> okay. trying not to mess up too much. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You know, on, on, yeah. Yeah. So have you? It's g- not for me. Yeah. No. Okay. So so back to the metal music because when when I listen to to We Sell the Dead I hear a lot like you said the old traditional metal music like uh, I hear some Deep Purple in there and and Black Sabbath and so forth yeah. and uh, so and 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 it, it's going to be fun to listen to the next album because it's it's like you say it's uh, it has transcended from like the doom thing to the traditional metal thing and and you're going to take it to the next level now. So that's cool. 
Yeah. All right. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, any other plans for the future? Oh, you mean musically? Yeah. Um, or yeah. Well, uh, you know, I write music all the time. Uh, yeah. So right now, I'm, I'm kind of into. I have this progressive thing going on right now uh, that I, I I'm not going to bring that to the We Sell the Dead table because it's too it's too far out. But I'm 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 I want to. I want to explore that. So I'm going to do some recordings by myself. I think uh, here in my home, I'm just going to sit and you know make eight or nine or ten minute long songs and see where that takes me. I don't, yeah, uh, you know, kind of get into you know, oh, let's have a five minute solo here. Let's see how <laughs> yeah. that sounds. <laughs> and you're, else, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and you're still doing radio. On, I, I see you doing the pirate rock radio on Sundays. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. What's that about? It's a cool station because we kind of play what we want and we don't uh, let anyone else tell us what we should play. You know, uh, so that's I have total freedom within my show to play exactly what I want. Uh, I have played the the whole twenty one twelve symphony from Rush in that show. (laughs) Nice. So, yeah. So I mean, that's so that's a very. freeing thing to be able to do that just to go mm-hmm. into that world i want to you know i want to talk about this now this is a great album this is a great group and i'm going to play this song from this great album, blah 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 this so it's self-indulging but it's also like i have a i think i'm doing a public service i think i'm yeah. doing some good with it as well yeah. cool all yeah. right that's really great so thank you jonas for taking the time to be on our show we uh, had a great time and yeah. uh Hope to hear Thank a lot you. from you in the future with with the bands and so forth. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I love doing this. This is my favorite uh, thing in the world. Talking <laughs> about music and albums and stuff. That's cool. Always nice. All right. Definitely. Okay, people. So don't forget to su- subscribe to the podcast so don't don't miss out and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And Phil, until next time. Later. Later. This has been Sounds on Vinyl, hosted by Mike Svensson and Bill Boyer. But it doesn't have to end. Join the Sounds on Vinyl community at soundsonvinyl.com forward slash community for exclusive content, music documentaries, chats, and more. Sounds on Vinyl is produced by Boozhound Music in cooperation with Boozhound Entertainment. Thanks for listening and all your motherfucking support.